What's up, guys, and welcome back to the show. CoinKite and River are the two awesome Bitcoin companies which I'm grateful to have supporting this podcast. If you know all about them already, skip ahead 60 seconds. If not, keep listening. CoinKite is the maker of what many Bitcoiners believe to be the gold standard Bitcoin hardware wallet, the cold card. If you've been delaying on setting up your self-custody solution, I strongly advise that you take action, as 2022 was once again littered with examples which prove the adage, not your keys, not your coins. The cold card is also compatible with several of the most popular multi-sig solutions if you're interested in exploring that approach to custodying your Bitcoin. If gifting physical Bitcoin in the upcoming year is what you're after, the SATS card is a great way to do so. It's like an open dime, but you can load and sweep it 10 times with just a mobile phone, and it comes in a handy and familiar credit card form factor. Finally, the BlockLock Micro has recently hit the market for those of us that get a potentially strange, but absolutely understandable, satisfaction at keeping an eye on the current block height, sats per USD exchange rate, and much else. To check it all out, visit CoinKite.com. River allows you to securely buy Bitcoin, zero fee dollar cost average, and purchase hosted mining rigs. Also, their Lightning services enables developers and companies to integrate Lightning payments into their applications without having to run any Lightning infrastructure themselves. I recommend River because of their dedication to service, stellar team, and in-house approach to building a next-generation financial services business on Bitcoin. To get started, visit river.com today. Let's do it. There we go. Gentlemen, we are being live streamed. Uh, great to see you all. Thanks for doing this today. And um, how's everybody doing? Happy New Year. Thank you. You as well. Thank you for Happy having me. Happy New Year. How did everyone enjoy the break? It was pretty good. Break. I enjoyed it a little bit too much. Now I find it hard to get back on the horse, but <laughs> getting there slowly. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm at. I think I'm doing better than most years, but I went hard on the eggnog and cookies and such over <laughs> over December. So I, I got about 10 pounds that... Uh, I, I told myself last week I'd get back on the routine, but it hasn't been pristine yet, let's say. <laughs> well, difference for me is I, I I don't think I consider it a break having four kids as I do during Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> holiday, so, though. Holiday might be more appropriate. So I guess this first week was a bit more relaxing, getting back to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm joking. It's amazing. With four kids, Christmas is really special. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, you know, we're obviously going to discuss um, what's been going on in Madeira because over the last, well, especially the last, I guess, 18 months now, it's been kind of in the public awareness that something interesting is going on over there. And you guys have put together the Free Madeira, Pro Free Madeira Project, which I want to discuss. But just so that everyone listening has a bit of background on you guys, can we just go around? Rob, maybe we'll start with you and just you know, what your background is, what your relation to Bitcoin is, and then what your relation to both the, you know, Madeira as a geographic location and then the Free Madeira project, and then we're going to just get it rolling from there. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being invited on. My background is in elite sport, and I kind of transitioned from working with elite athletes in mainly soccer, ballet, um, and, and then consulting in different, you know, like martial arts and stuff and transitioned into working predominantly um, online and working with the mind and helping athletes to see, or high performers really, because I work with all different types of people, to see the patterns in their conditioning that, that is holding them back. So that's my, so my, what I do when I work with someone is try and find the truth. So when I was trying to understand money and value, 
when I did that deep dive into trying to understand the truth about money, I came across Bitcoin and then the rabbit hole. And, and so, um, you know, my background in sort of always trying to find the truth is uh, Bitcoin is, um, if you're interested in the truth, you're going to arrive at Bitcoin. So that that's my background. Um, I, I was looking for somewhere to bring up my children, my wife and, and my two little girls. Um, and we were looking all over the world. We could move anywhere because I've been online since 2008. And um, with the lockdown, uh, there were country, uh, some islands I wanted to go to that were very restrictive. And the moment I realized that was too much, I heard someone walk past me say the word Madeira. And I was like, oh, what's Madeira? It was exactly the moment I made the decision not to uh, go to this island. And then someone later in the day said, used the word Madeira. So I was like, where's Madeira? <laughs> and then booked a flight. I think it was like that night um, to check it out. Um, doing a little uh, search on Twitter and I found Andre. And so we met up for a coffee. This was last year. And, you know, it was just like two Bitcoin maxis. And he was, <laughs> he had just amazing ideas. And it, I, I was, we were in a tropical cafe, uh, like subtropical, but it's just the most beautiful place. And I'm listening to this guy talking about what's possible in this island. And the people here are just wonderful people. I look, I've been to most countries looking to move there. And there's where the people here, they give my little girls bananas and grapes. Uh, like the older people always give them things as they walk past in the street. It's just a very, very welcoming culture for children. And then it's stunning. And the food's amazing. And the, the light is amazing. It's wonderful year round. I'm out in my shorts today in um, January here. <clears throat> And so, um, yeah, I, I uh, you know, when Andre said, hey, we're putting together something, do you want to join? I was like, absolutely. I was also um, working with my wife to set up a, a self-directed learning center uh, or a community environment here um, in conjunction with Free Madeira so that when Bitcoiners can come over, there's a, a place for their children like-minded, not just Bitcoiners, but people who are interested in um, allowing their kids the freedom to choose what they're interested in. And so they flourish without, you know, the, the children to become their own self-authority. You see the, it, it's just truthful. You know, you want your kids to have their own authority. So she, uh, her and I are working with Andre and uh, Al Alvaro from, uh, who, who's just left now, um, who's going to be doing something with Free Madeira, I, I think. And we're working hard to make that happen. So there's, uh, on, on my side of things, I keep my business going, you know, that's my work. And, and on the other side, I have a, the privilege to be working with Nico, Andre, Knut, and, and then connect with people like Jeff and, um, you know, the, the big players. It's just a real privilege and privilege to be on this island. It's absolutely beautiful. So you've been there a year, right? Uh, I, I was there a few months last year and I moved over and started, you know, visas and everything in June, I think. So I haven't been here that Living long. Living there a full year yet. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, Nico, when are you going next? All right. Thanks, John, for inviting me. And 
Yeah, I'm happy to be here. My name is Nico. I'm from Finland. I'm a construction engineer by Fiat Trade, and I started leaving Fiat world behind in 2011 when I kind of experienced a bit of a burnout and saw all the pointlessness of paying infinite taxes the more you work. So increasing taxes rather. So I left uh, my job, my so-called good uh, construction engineer job, traveled the world for a year, and then I tried to reintegrate back to back to the fiat life. But I, I was unemployable at that point. I, I had become permanently a, a fiat, fiat uh, freedom maximalist world denizen. So I felt like I didn't identify with uh, with my old life anymore. So I couldn't reintegrate. So I started my own consultancy in construction still. And then in 2017, I read the Bitcoin white paper. I've had heard about it before, but not ever really looked at it carefully. And that's when I got obsessed with, with Bitcoin and consumed everything like often happens happens at that point. Took the shitcoin road. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Learned a lot. Very expensive lesson. Um, 2018, started the first uh, Bitcoin association in Finland. Started education route. Did like about a um, uh, hundred podcast and stuff like that, talk to the regulators, realized that that's not the way to go, uh, started Consensus Network, translated Cyphedians uh, Bitcoin standard in Finnish first, realized that there's more demand like this everywhere in the world for every language. So then my company started specializing in translating this specific book and other books as well, Bitcoin books into local languages, any language, basically wherever we can find people doing the work then I would just publish them. I taught myself to be a publisher. So that's my my uh, Bitcoin trade. So I'm still uh, by fiat trade. I'm still a construction engineer. I have all that skill set. Maybe I'll use them to build a citadel here in Madeira at some, someday, hopefully. <laughs> I want to I wanna go back. Uh, but yeah, for now, it's just all about the uh, information uh, distribution and trying to reach as many people as possible. And that's why localization is so important because not most of the world is not competent enough in English to be able to understand this uh, this knowledge that is very immensely. And usually those uh, people are the ones that could mostly benefit from the information. So that's why localization is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Madeira, I, I got Madeira pilled by another Bitcoiner, a friend of mine who doesn't, doesn't stay on the island anymore. He's, I was looking for options. I was staying, I'm kind of like a digital nomad or a, whatever you might call that. Whenever I stay one place for one year or longer, I get itchy feet. I want to move on. So I was staying in Finland for um, over a year, and it's depressing. It's as dark as ass, and cold as you know, not hell, but something else resembling that. So I was looking for options, and that that was uh, a perfect timing for me. So he contacted me. It took me two weeks to book the flights. Went uh, came here first with my my older son to check it out. It took, took us two weeks to fall in love with the island, called my wife, pack your bags, we're moving here. Took her two months to, to relocate here. We've been here f- for about 18 months now. Uh, June 21, I think. I think that's when I came to the island. And I don't have itchy feet. That's the thing. Like On the contrary, when I go out from, from Madeira, I, I want to go back. So this is something I've never experienced anywhere uh, in the world. So for me, it's great. Like great for remote working you can go out in the t-shirt basically any time of the day any, any time of the year it's that's something that uh, a guy from finland is is uh, not really used to like it's a finished summer all year round so 
yeah, that was uh, those were the main reasons why why I came here. I didn't know anybody on the island. Uh, actually, we we met with Andre by chance through Twitter. I think maybe Knut hooked us up because we were both working on the Portuguese translations of Bitcoin books. I did the Bitcoin Standard, and he he's basically done all of the other books. So then uh, we got talking on Twitter, and then we realized we're practically neighbors, <laughs> which was a, a really funny thing. Like we're we live really close by, and of course we we met. And got talking and then we, we've been working together ever since and this was before free madeira all that stuff started happening that happened really fast like after a couple months it was like oh dude nico i i just talked to the president and i'm going to orange build the president <laughs> take him to miami i was like what 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 are you talking about and here we are like a, a little bit over a year after things are moving really fast we've had three meetups great meetups so far great turnout like the first one i think we had 30 people the second two we had more than 20 and the great thing is there's always new faces so we probably reached like something between 70 to 80 uh individuals on the island whether they be travelers or or um, expats or locals most mostly expats i think and even some people are now crafting their travel plans to to fit the fit the meetup schedule so they can make it and I even ran into a Finnish guy who who saw me on Saifedin's pod and heard me talk about the project. He amended his uh, travel plans just to come and and hang out in the meetup in the in Madeira, which was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Aside from aside from the the temperature, right? Having it be summer all year round. What do you what do you find so appealing about Madeira? And aside from the Bitcoin stuff, if if we can suspend that for a moment. Right. Yeah, the Bitcoin stuff was never really, uh, I mean, of course, the zero tax was a factor, sure, uh, but that was never really the reason. Like, I, I just want a comfortable place to live and to work, good internet, uh, service. It's like a small Finnish, well, all the towns and uh, cities in Finland are small. It's like a Finnish city, like everything is walking distance in Funchal. You have all the services that you might need. Most of the time, I'll admit, I'll, I'll stay on my desk in, indoors anyway. But I like the option, like when you're in Finland in the middle of the forest and you want to go somewhere in the winter, you can't like you have to have to blow some snow and, and jump into a car and drive 30 minutes before you're anywhere. So mm -hmm. you you don't have the option. I like the optionality here and I can jump into a plane and go anywhere as well. So the optionality is there. There's uh, plenty of things to do here for the kids. I find it extremely safe, even safer than Finland, Very which safe. is great. Because I, I have two kids and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, and also, yeah, one big thing was the um, the quality of life, at least compared to like, if you come from a country like, like Finland, that is quite expensive, um, you can get like a lifestyle boost of 30, 40% here with the same budget. Like I can, I can, with my family, I can live in the city center here in a comfortable apartment and, and eat whatever we want and, you know, live that kind of a life that would have been extremely expensive in Finland. And like, there's no downsides, really. The only downside is that uh, you can't really find a proper sauna here, uh, but uh, you can't have everything. You can't find a proper sauna outside Finland. That's, I'm pretty adamant about that. All right, Andre. Over to you. Hey. Uh, well, about me. Uh, I'm the modern guy in the equation, so I was always here, always here right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm an entrepreneur, although I don't like the word a lot. So I, I own several businesses here in the island. And um, and I turned out recently, not not that long ago, uh, as a as a true Bitcoiner, I guess. And when your <clears throat> when your mind gets infected, you start trying to get it more and more into your life and doing something uh, in the space. And that's where Nick was mentioning the the books that that was where it all started. Um, I started a. a a Bitcoin-only publishing company in Portuguese uh, with the goal of translating all the best literature that I could find to Portuguese because I couldn't find it at the time at the bookstores. Uh, it was either it, it was there was nothing on the space or there were just some shitcoin books. And um, yeah, that's, that's where it all started for me uh, as in regards of working in the space. Um, so were you born in Madeira? Well, I was actually, I wasn't born here, but that was a, an accident because my parents were studying in Lisbon at the time, <laughs> because that, that happens a lot with, uh, you know, a lot of Madeirans go to university in Lisbon. Right. And my parents had me, they were pretty young when they had me. My mother was 17 and she was uh, at the university at the time. So that was purely by chance. All the families are from here. And I came back as a baby to Madeira and lived, you know, I was born and not born, but raised in Madeira mm -hmm. uh, as a Madeiran. And uh, yeah, I, I just went back to Lisbon for university as we all, a lot of us do. And all right. So how did, because my first kind of exposure to this, Andre, was through Princey. Right. He was telling me, you know, how a crazy story came together that resulted in going to uh, Bitcoin. Was it 2022? Yeah. 2022 yeah, it was in, just last year in Miami. Bitcoin time is so weird. It feels like so long ago. <laughs> yeah. um, and all the things that came together with the president and then also Prince Philip and then, you know, making an announcement at the conference and all that kind of stuff. And then when you guys, I think the first day you arrived, we had uh lunch together and just kind of talked about you know everything that was going on but i think it started correct me if i'm wrong with you somehow pitching or coming across the president and saying something about bitcoin so can you kind of wait you know can you can you set the groundwork for how bitcoin and madeira kind of sure. came to be associated with one another so um as I said, I have I own several businesses in the island, and one of them is a co-working space. So I have a co-working space in downtown Funchal for quite a while since 2013. Since since nobody knew what co-work was at the time, <laughs> it was very hard in the beginning, but we made it through, and now we are very successful, fortunately. But um, after COVID, uh, Madeira, uh, the government pushed a program for nomads. Um, I guess they were <laughs> anxious to have people back in the island after after closing because you know, but that is very dependent on tourism, and um, they so they pushed this program through a public entity called Startup Madeira, and they did this uh, digital village uh, in Madeira and did a lot of marketing as Madeira being you know a good spot for nomads and remote workers, and. Um, it did work. Um, a lot of people came to Madeira because of it, and uh, especially uh, during when COVID started reopening. Let's let's put it like this: um, a lot of people came because Madeira is you could be freer here, okay, um, uh, comparing to the major cities in in Europe and elsewhere. 
uh, people felt, you know, a lot of nomads came and, and rented houses and rooms all over the island, especially in more remote locations and had peace of mind and, and a bit of freedom. And um, it worked very well. And because Madar is already spectacular <laughs> in terms of nature and the quality of life and weather, as, as the other guys already mentioned, uh, you know, word of mouth kept running and uh, it turned out to be a, a more and more successful. A lot of people came. And I think that's where the president started to see a lot of um, foreigners as the nomads were. And a lot of the nomads use crypto, right? Um, not only Bitcoin, as we know, but they use crypto and they started talking about crypto. And if you put on top of that, that Portugal uh, was a, was a tax-free uh, country for crypto, there were a lot of uh, incoming people in the area. Mm -hmm. And uh, conversation started, and of course, it reached you know, the years of the president, and uh, he started seeing all the movement with the young generations using crypto and so on. And I was having some uh, the, uh, conversations with him regarding the expansion of co-work. Um, and he decided to do a formal visit to the to the co-working space downtown, and that's where it happened because we you know we visit all the space and at the end uh, we were having uh, another conversation and the president was blubbing on about uh, you know we have to we have to open up Madara to to these younger generations to technology to you know we cannot be um forever dependent on tourism only uh, and on the low salaries that it's the majority of jobs in, in the tourism sector and um of course covid was a eye opening on what happens to an island that is dependent on tourism right and um you know i took the opportunity basically um and i said uh, well maybe maybe i can help you know and uh, and i pointed at the bitcoin accepted here someone that I had at co-work, of course. And uh, and the guy, you know, he looked at the, at the Bitcoin sign and kept going like, oh, yes, of course, you know, crypto is the future. All these younger generations, they use crypto for everything. It's amazing. Money's going to die. Crypto is the future. They know best. And, you know, <laughs> all that conversation. So you know, I, I kept digging. So I said, no, no, I can help. But this is, this is about Bitcoin only. But it, it was far away from that at the time. Right. And um, I just took up the opportunity to say that I could help and uh, that I could possibly bring investors and technology to the island and help the overall goal of, of the government. And uh, he said, yeah, of course, of course, do that, do that. And, um, and that was it, basically. And then I, because I had already started the Bitcoin publishing book uh, company, then I already had some network. Uh, you know, I, I translated Jeff uh, Jeff's book and, and VJ's book and <clears throat> uh, Thank God for Bitcoin from Jimmy Song and Bridlove's book. And I already had some books going on and I was already talking to Daniel. And Daniel was, as you know, very approachable uh, and a very networking guy as well. So <laughs> it was the first guy I reached out to, uh, basically just saying, hey, I'm way over my head. I need, I need your help right now. <laughs> <laughs> and 
well, and the rest is history. And uh, yeah, that was, well, so, that, well, was well, that was the beginning of everything. Yeah. Right, but just just to finish off the story, how did you go from encountering the president at the co-working space and you know initial <laughs> conversations about Bitcoin to because I, I was emceeing when he was um, on stage at the Bitcoin conference. You know, one funny anecdote I remember off stage, you know, to the side, because um, I think the guy from Roatan or a yes. representative from there was on before him. Yeah. And when, when they were both on the side of the stage, uh, I remember the president, I guess Samson was was the next one on. And so the three of us were to the side and the president of Madeira was like giving um uh, speaking tips to the guy from Roatan. He's like, you got to stop moving around so much. You want to plant your feet. You want to bring your energy up through your groin. And he was like rubbing the <laughs> yeah. inside of his groin. I know like all that. about that. It repeats that a lot. <laughs> you have to stand uh, like a little bit to the side, one front and one yeah, foot in front of the I, other. I thought it was so funny. Um, but how, so how did that happen? How did, how did he come to be, you know, making a sort of announcement, you know, but so, basically just being there on, on the stage and, uh, in Miami. Yeah. It all happened in, in retrospective, it happened very fast. But so I reached out to Daniel. Daniel is a true Bitcoiner, you know, LFG, let's go. Um, started reaching out to people. Uh, the first guy he reached out was Alan Farrington. And Alan reached Samson and we started a group, a chat group. And the, the first goal was to bring Samson here. Uh, but then there was a, an agenda incompatibility between Samson and President. But we couldn't do it. Um, we started. I started bringing other people. Actually, there's a there's a, sh a shit corner in the middle of all the story, which was, that was uh, really important in convincing the president. But um, but we started we started with Samson. Samson. We we tried to make the the, the arrangements. We couldn't. And I was like, you know, how can I do this? And I had another client because I, I also own a vacation rental management. Uh, and I had a, this luxury villa here owned by a, a, an Hong Kong resident. Uh, well, he's actually British, but he lived in Hong Kong working for Goldman Sachs. And coincidentally, he came to Madeira on vacations and we had a meeting and I turned up so he had quit Goldman Sachs to join uh, Bullish, you know, the, the very big exchange in Gibraltar, Shitcoin Exchange, but quite well, big. I think I saw them at um, 2022. Did yeah, they had they the had mechanical this... bull in the, in the. I'm not sure it the was them, but they had this, they had, at the time it was, Peter Thiel was one of the investors. They had a big, big investment in the beginning, like on the billions. So quite a big company. And, um, and there was something that he needed my help. And I took the opportunity and I said, okay, I'll help you, but you'll help me as well. So I'll bring you to a meeting with the president, <laughs> but you have to convince him how, how important it is to come to Miami with me because we need him there. <laughs> and uh, it actually worked. Um, that and another Zoom call that we managed to, to do with Samson and Jeff Booth, they were both present with the president and that was the flipping point and then he decided that okay let's go to miami and check it out okay and last last question on this part of the story but i i also know i think it's i don't think it's a secret that um there was another pit stop before going on stage at the conference you you and princey and the president and and some other people had a a brunch with someone 
Oh yeah, but this is already that, in Miami, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, I just want that's not that's not private, right? I think I've heard no, people. no, it's, it's, right, right. it's, it's uh, so well, so you guys you guys have brunch at at Casa del Sailor. So yeah, you know exactly what, what was that all like? So I don't know how Daniel pulled it, but uh, he was able to arrange uh, breakfast at Tiffany's. Well, not at Tiffany's, but at Sailor's, right? <laughs> And it was actually our first morning. So we were fresh, fresh up Miami. I just arrived last night. We we actually went to, um, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a big connection between Madeira and Venezuela. There's a big community of Madeira yeah, people in that. Venezuela. Yeah. And a lot of investors, a lot of Madeira, wealthy people of Madeira in Venezuela. And a lot of them have businesses in Miami as well. So there's a big community of Venezuela people in Miami connected to Madeira. So our first night there, we went to the Miami Eats, so FTX Arena, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it was actually quite a a very nice experience. Uh, And then the next morning, we were at Sailor's House. And that was something uh, for sure, you know. The president was still, I think, not really understanding exactly what would happen. And then (laughs) he put him on a... (laughs) <laughs> on sailor's just, table just wind up sailor and he goes for an hour and everyone just is exactly. sitting there listening <laughs> yeah it was exactly that so we were there already you know waiting for michael michael arrives and and then we just started you know explaining a bit what we, the intentions were and you're correct so the flip goes on and michael goes for over an hour basically <laughs> uh non-stop um and I can, I think you can sum it up, you know, with, with everything that is said, you can sum it up to don't touch other stuff or you're going to be an asshole. Right. <laughs> um, and that was really important, actually, because <laughs> it was like a truck eating the president <laughs> straight on. And um, it, it helped a lot with the rest of the days. Uh, and so then he goes on stage, he makes the announcement. Um, what happens in Madeira? Actually, before I before I even get into that, I'd like to hear a little bit more context and just in terms of like what Bitcoin life is like in Madeira right now. So, you know, I assume there's a number of, uh, you know, maybe Rob, why don't you just, you, you can touch on this because, you know, you, you live there and you live a, a normal life there. So what is it like in terms of, using or interacting with Bitcoin in Madeira. You're muted. Thanks. There you go. Uh, normally, I, there are Levadas here, which are these streams, uh, man-made streams everywhere. So you can walk. There's a labyrinth of these everywhere. So I walk up there to Andre's office and I knock on the door and I go in and then I, you know, like Dave Chappelle, I'm like, what's, what's happened? Because it's there's a daily new news, and I'm there. and then I go on my day. Uh, I'm kind of like the guy that's always hanging around in his office. Um, in terms of how I, I, I wherever I go, I say, "Do you take do you take Bitcoin?" I um, they there's a range of like no to um, don't really understand it, etc. Mm. So uh, I had my haircut few days ago 
down the road of really nice new barbers with the beauticians next door. I had my haircut. I said to the, there's a lot of Brazilians or Venezuelans uh, who are working here. So we were speaking, I was trying to speak Portuguese and uh, I said, do you like Bitcoin? He goes, I love Bitcoin. It's very big in, very big in Brazil. My brother um, owns Bitcoin and stuff. And I said, can I tip you? And he's like, yeah, he's, and he had a wallet. Uh, so I tipped him and then I said, who's the boss? And I went to the boss and I said, listen, uh, I'd like to be able to pay him the full um, thing in Bitcoin. And I'd like to put your uh, barbers on the BC map. And then all the, if you if you kind of support what we're trying to do here, or um, I just said, I'm not doing this for myself. I do it for my kids. And I explained a little bit about Bitcoin and just said, um, uh, you know, we'll all come and support you. All the Bitcoiners come and have their haircut. And he's like, um, he started off like, I don't really understand it. And then by the end of it, I said, listen, if there's a problem, you need cash, I'll come and buy your sats. And he's like, no, 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 I'll keep, I'll keep half of the Bitcoin. He started to get the, the importance. So they've got there, they'll accept full Bitcoin, the beautician, uh, big female, uh, I shouldn't say female, the beauticians next door, um, they're accepting Bitcoin. So I'm going to go and do the sushi place down the road. So it's very much, in, in my opinion right now, in terms of using Bitcoin, it's like uh, I'm the guy in the field dancing and Andre is dancing and Nico's dancing. And there's a few other, and it's just, the, you know, that there's five going to come. And then I can see it happening already. There's more and more people coming um, and it's, daily weekly compound can i can i interrupt rob there's yeah. there's there there was something really interesting that happened um after we publicly unveiled the free matter in, in october it's, it's it's so recent still but the same feeling i had before miami and, and all of this happened that i uh, there was a time that I, I thought i was the only bitcoiner in the island and what i'm feeling now is that well, I'm not feeling, I know for sure, and, and still a lot more to come is that there were already a lot of Bitcoiners and true Bitcoiners, uh, some not, some still not there as, as Max is, but going there. And, uh, <clears throat> and there a lot, a lot of interest in the area. So I can give you some examples. Now that we started going over and publicly, publicly speaking about it, having meetups, going to merchants, all of that. We're finding, of course, a lot, lots of no's, uh, lots of, uh, of course not, that's a scam, you know, that's all over like, like everywhere else. But we are finding a lot, a lot more than I anticipated that are very welcoming and also, and immediately say, yes, of course, you know. So they were there. And now that the, what, what seemed to have been missing was this kind of glue or connection that made us all connect with each other, basically. Uh, for example, um, I don't know who told me this story. I, I'm a bit confused now, but just two days ago, um, I think it was Alvaro that was here. He just went today, he's coming next month again. Um, nice story that we can sp speak about regarding education with Rob as well. But um, he was in a cab, I believe, or a bolt or whatever. And yeah. uh, he mentioned this, the Venezuelan guy, and he started the conversation because you know, Alvaro is uh, Spanish, so he started, where are you from, and so on. And 
this guy is already using Bitcoin for remittances to his family in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Um, so, especially in the Venezuelan community, there's lots of them, of course, as you know, uh, very much easier to learn about how Bitcoin is important if you're a Venezuelan than if you're a, you know, privileged guy in Western Europe, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just to add to that, that there are uh, a lot more people and a lot more uh, understanding that I, that even I anticipated at the beginning of all of this. Has there been, since the announcement uh, at the conference, you know, El Salvador had has had a big influx now, albeit the announcements were different. And actually, maybe someone can just kind of summarize what the president's announcement actually was, because it wasn't as, I guess, cut and dry or as big of a splash as, let's say, the Bukele announcement. But have, have you has there been an influx of Bitcoiners coming to check it out, setting up shop, you know, starting businesses, that kind of stuff there yet? Or has that not materialized yet? Anyone can jump in. Can I can I go? Uh, yes, and I was overwhelmed at the amount of people that reached out after the, you know, the 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 announcement, the public announcement in Amsterdam. Uh, not only a lot of people already came. Um, you know, of course, people come to check it out first. You know, don't trust, verify. Mm. Um, they're actually trying to coincide with the meetups. You know, talking, reaching out. Personally, I'm already opening up companies for several people. Uh, because I have a, a, a company that can help. So I'm trying to, I'm already doing at least four incorporations and uh, three people are searching for real estate to buy. And there's a list now of many people coming now in February, March, April, and so on. So it is, uh, in that sense, it's it's working. And one of the main goals is actually exactly that to increase the community because if you do increase the community and you and you have a, a bunch of like-minded people around and we can go on on, on how what the plans of free that are to incentivize all of that um i think the rest will come almost organically and naturally uh, after that let's um can we just cover what what the president said at the conference and and basically like when we're when we're talking about budding Bitcoin citadels, you know the the landscape is great and and the the food and the people and all that kind of stuff. But what Bitcoin specific, you know, or incentives, let's say, that would appeal to Bitcoiners specifically, are currently being either discussed or implemented in Madeira. Like, what's what's that primary pull, and what what is the government doing to support or reduce, you know, friction and regulation? You know, what what's the main draw here? Well, there, there are still not much uh, in terms of regulation uh, or a differentiator, a differentiator that the government is providing to Bitcoin companies. Um, I think there was a, you know, the Miami thing as it, it was too fast, you know, and the president, before we went, before we went there, there was no plans for announcements. Um, and honestly, uh, I was... I, I was against the announcement at the time. Yeah. Just to make it sure. Um especially it seems like do you do you think with it, the wording it, of the announcement? Do you think they just wanted an announcement like you know, the yeah. conference wanted there was, a bigger announcement and maybe one dropped out and so they decided to try to put a few. There was together. a bit of that. 
there was a bit of many things, a bit of that mixed with a bit of the excitement of the president to make a splash because he was there. I think his initial idea was, oh, we'll go there and talk about, oh, my dad is so friendly with taxes. We're going to bring a lot of companies here. We're just going to distribute cars and they're going to come. And um, so he was kind of excited to go on stage and just appeal to, to everyone. They wanted to make an announcement. And I think the wording, which I was against, um, was not appropriate because they did a small announcement and said, you know, we were adopting Bitcoin. And that created a lot of confusion at the beginning, right? Because most people thought that it was referring to creating laws to for Bitcoin to be a legal tender, which was never a possibility because we are an outermost region of Europe, um, a semi-autonomous region of Portugal, and we are under their umbrella. So there, yeah. there are limitations to our um, independence. We are well, we are not independent, but limitations to our how can I say this? Our sovereignty. We are yeah. some rules that we need to comply with the with the main Portuguese government. So that was never a possibility, and. You know, at the time, I, I said, we discussed that and I said, okay, it's adopting Bitcoin in, in the terms that we use at Trimadad is adopting by the people, you know, on a bottoms up perspective, adopting as their, to their lives, to their businesses, to their, it was never adopting Bitcoin on a sovereign level as a currency, uh, but it created a confusion. I was, I was aiming for, I, I, I recommended at the time that they used embracing Bitcoin because it was more friendlier, I guess, and not that confusing mm. uh, but it went with adopting and created a bit of confusion uh, in the beginning but just to clarify that at the time there was still no even the, the non-profit the organization or the way we were, we would go about it it was nothing was planned back then it was just intentions and in the in the mind of the president it was always about you know again a, a, a main goal of of, of Madara to be not as dependent on tourism and embracing technologies as a whole, uh, new generations, bringing people in. Uh, so for decades, Madeira had a big disadvantage in, a, in, a, in, a, in the world, right? We were a remote island. We couldn't compete on industry or on other stuff. So, and now with this new digital connected world, we finally have an advantage because uh, we can compete, you know, for, for the most, a lot of companies can work whatever they want. A lot of people can work whatever they want. COVID accelerated that a lot, as we know. And um, and finally, uh, is is being smart about it as as Madeira being finally having an advantage uh, against other jurisdictions because it's a fantastic place to be. The infrastructures are there, you know, all of that. So in in his mind, the announcement was all about that. Is the government is supporting a new technology? Um, and knows that, you know, the new generations will embrace it and it's, it's something that is here to stay and, uh, and yeah, they want to support it. Right. So at the time, a very vague, just we're pro Bitcoin basically yeah. was the signal without any, you know, real, yeah. not, not, nothing really concrete. I know a lot of people had gone to Portugal, you know, for the last several years because, I think there was no capital gains taxes maybe on on crypto, right? But one, has that not changed or is that not changing in the forthcoming budget? 
and again so like if if we can just so that everyone has an understanding of like the prime incentives here related to bitcoin what is unique about Madeira or at, a, at the very least, what is being discussed as potentially being, you know, attractive to, to Bitcoiners again, outside of all the other amazing stuff about Madeira, but yeah. about exclusively so, as it relates to Bitcoin. So far, nothing. Uh, we are still studying uh, our, again, our, uh, the, 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 the documents that basically, um, how do I say this in English? Where can we go as an autonomous region as far right. as laws, um, you know, where can we go? Because we cannot, for example, I'll, I'll give proper examples, right? Tax, and you're correct. Finally, on this, well, finally, <laughs> depends on the perspective, but the new budget already has a, a crypto tax law. They approved it. Uh, it's uh, It's been published just, uh, I think, last week, finally. And um, and now crypto as a whole is taxed in in uh, in Portugal, and there is no differentiation between Bitcoin and the rest. It's all in the same bucket, you know. Um, could have been worse because at least there's a 365 days, and it, after that, if you hold for uh, more than 300 one year, um, it's still zero. So that's that's a good thing, um, and I think they left it there as a, a workaround because they were, the, the government was being pressured by the left wings and the EU mm. uh, regarding the tax on crypto. So I think they, they my feeling, they needed to show something, do something, you know? And, um, but they left this thing of the one year um, because they also didn't want to kill all the startup movement that they were seeing, in, especially in Lisbon. There was a lot of movement there, not only crypto startups, but a lot of startups. It became like this startup city because of an old project called Startup Jabu, and the thing picked up, and there's co-working spaces all over and startup factories and unicorns and all that thing, you know. So and it was crypto was seen as part of that movement that picked up in Lisbon and changed the whole um city basically for the last 10 years. So they also didn't want to kill it at all. Okay, so le they left some some cherries, <laughs> let's call it. All right. Um, but again, so whatever the, the Portuguese government decides, we have to comply. There are some things we can apply, like a difference on the tax for a 30% difference. For example, um, cap corporate tax rate. In, in the mainland, it's uh, 20%. And we can apply a 30% difference. So here on the normal regime, it's around 14%. And as a plus, we have the International Business Center and the tax-free zone where some companies can incorporate there and they even have a more reduced, reduced uh, corporate tax rate on the 5%. And that's given as a, a bonus from Europe for uh, compensating for being an outermost region of Europe, basically. Mm. So on the taxes, we are limited on what we can do. Um, just some differences be between the, the regular main laws and the regional laws. But there are other uh, areas where we are studying where we can go deeper. For example, we cannot 
cut the taxes, but maybe we can give incentives to Bitcoin companies that incorporate in the island. Or we can maybe, we're studying this, this is just ideas, right, so far, we can do uh, a mini uh, international business center for decentralized currencies, for example, as a study on the technologies. So there, there are many things that we are trying to study on the on the on the law side of it um random question but this one year rule how the hell is that administered or like watched over like do you have to do you have to declare that you've disposed of bitcoin and prove that you acquired like an equal amount of bitcoin more than 365 days before like it just seems like such a impossible to uh John, when you when you read the final drafting of the law, you understand that it's impossible to enforce. But that's right. a different subject at all, right? I read it and I laughed my ass out because it's it's they're crazy. They don't know what they're dealing with. And um, there's other stuff in the middle. I can I can I, do you want to laugh? They yes. excluded <laughs> in the final draft. They excluded NFTs from tax from being taxed. Yeah. Why? You know, ask them. <laughs> We've, there's a whole story also about uh, our lobbying at the national parliament and what happened afterwards. Uh, but I can sum it up. And we tried to, because they were already, you know, receiving people and asking stakeholders' opinions and all of that for the law. Long story. But in the end, you realize that they already had this plan all, uh, since uh, they knew our, they, they were going to do the, the, the tax draft. And it was all always based on what the EU recommended. Right. And um, that NFT thing, I remember saying, sending a message to a, a, an MP in the, in the national parliament and asking the same question, like, what what the hell? <laughs> what What is this? Like, why, why are you excluding NFTs? from the from the tax so what was the purpose of this and the guy of course didn't know what he didn't even know what i, what I was asking honestly right, right. uh but he said you know we don't we don't make up things you know we follow the directives and he sent me this ecb link where they had these recommendations and and i just said man i just saw a post from you last week on instagram or whatever and you were so worried about the use of cryptocurrencies to illegal activities and you're just excluding um, one of the assets that is most used for wash trading out of the, the, the tax law. So this is just dumb. And they never replied again. So I think I'm not best friends with them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I, what I was going to ask is, because it sounds like if someone's listening, they're probably thinking, I mean, I, I don't want to discredit the boots on the ground, like organic nature of what's happening, but they're probably thinking, well, if it's something as, informal as the president just saying we're pro bitcoin one might ask like well what happens if that person is no longer the president and the kind of attitude towards it all changes and they're not that pro bitcoin uh but then i you know <clears throat> I, yeah, I immediately thought does it really matter like cause we're all everyone's interested in the, the various announcements and the whole sovereign individual thesis playing out and how different jurisdictions are going to apply the regulations to this stuff, but maybe it's starting to seem to be the case that maybe that doesn't really matter. I mean, the whole, that's the whole point of the Bitcoin parallel economy, right? It's like, it's not 
in that world. And if you have people that you can trade with that are willing to accept Bitcoin and that you're willing to pay for Bitcoin, then you know you, you can create your own digital parallel cash economy. And it doesn't really matter what the regulations say because what can they do about it? How can they even know about it, basically? Now, there's nuance to that argument. It depends on the scale in which you're spending and what's being transacted and that kind of stuff. But, you know, because we see these initiatives picking up all over the world, beef initiative in the States and, you know, all these also smaller projects that are popping up in jurisdictions that are no more favorable toward Bitcoin than anywhere else. But you're you're seeing that there's a, you know, there's a natural incentive, there's a natural inclination, there's a natural desire of certain people to begin transacting in this form of money and and leaving aside you know the fiat world so do you think it matters all that much if a new president is elected at some point and they're uh less bullish or you know less uh embracing of bitcoin in terms of what's being cultivated currently in madeira anyone can answer I, that but what, what do you guys think sorry i'm probably talking that i talk maybe i can jump in stuff. here <laughs> you, you've been talking for a while <laughs> Yeah, like, I think that's exactly it, John, like, it doesn't matter, like, sure, uh, in the in the short and medium term, it matters, since we live in the fiat world, we have to kind of like, find our way and, and be comfortable. And I think that's just it. Like, what you said, like, wh why is it good for Bitcoin? But if it's good for Bitcoiners, aka human beings, so what is good for human beings? And the island is good for human beings. It's a comfortable place, safe place. You have everything you need. And from my personal experience, like when I got here, I knew nobody. And now like for the past two meetups, I've had people reach out to me because they are getting interested in finding new Bitcoiners in comfortable places that they want to vacation or, or maybe move into or stay for a while and, and work. Like uh, there's this Orange Pill app that launched last year. I'm I'm advising them as well, and through that app already, like even, no matter it's it's quite new, they reach out to me these people and then came to the meetup, and that's that's kind of like the organic movement that you mentioned, and that's the thing that matters. That being said, it's it's also useful that we have the ear of the the government here and the president here because they're going to somebody's going to be whispering into their ears, right? So it's better be us than than shitcoiners because that was already uh, happening before Andre stepped in. So so there is definitely value in that. So kind of like filtering the signal from the noise, but that's not the main beef. That's not like like for example what El Salvador is is doing. It's a legal tender and this kind of stuff. It's just another way to control people. Legal tender is uh, coercion. It's it's uh, abuse of power when you when you require by force somebody to adopt bitcoin that's not true bitcoin adoption that's not organic so it, as long as it's legal and even if it's not legal like historically nothing has been stopped by making it illegal like people do whatever the hell they want and bitcoin is no different in fact if anything bitcoin is more resilient to to bannings but uh, I, I i digress uh the point is that uh, once people feel comfortable somewhere and people are working on projects and things that they feel passionate about, for us, it's Bitcoin and Bitcoin adoption. Like Rob, whenever, wherever I go, I, I like to go climbing in Madeira Climbing Center. I've been orange peeling the owner for a long time already. It's kind of tough, but it's it's like, that's how you start. Like whenever you come to the island or wherever you go, you know, the, the low hanging fruit is to just simply ask, do you accept Bitcoin? And then gauge the, their like reaction, like what is usually this, like, oh, you know, I'm not interested in that or, or hell no. 
or yeah tell me more sometimes that happens like maybe maybe two out of ten in general in the island uh, i've had much more success than in finland for example people are not as dismissive and that's probably because they understand uh the the problems of government money and government overreach better than in in this kind of like uh fairy tale uh welfare welfare countries like finland for example so so maybe that's that's one thing and and of course like these uh, places like venezuela that actual have actual uh severe hyperinflation people are even more educated so it, it's it's like a vector it, it it takes time uh and it takes those boots on the ground and that's exactly what we're trying to do here i don't see free madeira as a you know like a government project even though we work with the government mm -hmm. it's it's more like uh necessity in in this transition period while we're trying to build a parallel economy and we're going to build that parallel economy anyway and yes you can do it anywhere i chose madeira because like i've been to uh 40 or so countries i've lived in several countries as well and this is the best place that i've found so far i'm not saying that there's not a better place it's just this, this is a place that i chose and bitcoin has like i said almost nothing to do with that it was not because there were even Bitcoiners here. I just simply wanted to find a comfortable place for me and my family. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's the key. That's the that's the Bitcoin idea. Just to be left alone, do the things that you want, use the money, save the money. And that's something that we 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 can the message that we can we can give to the locals as well. That now there is a way to actually hold on to your earnings that you put your hard work into. And merchants, of course, like now there is a way to avoid those ridiculous uh, credit card charges and it's like cash, but it just works like this. And, you know, when you go somewhere and you you identify the owner usually, um, or, or you can teach the, the waiters to accept tips in Bitcoin, small, th small things like that. And then just tell them, like, like Rob said, you know, like we're not selling anything here, like we're just doing this because of our kids. And I'll only, I'll only take uh, five minutes of your time. This uh, brings you maybe a little bit more business, but it doesn't really cost you anything to give it a shot. So what do you say? And then maybe give them a little bit of Bitcoin. If they if they are willing to um, download an app, send them some Bitcoin and then just leave them to it. Leave them alone. Like, yeah. if, you know, we don't want to enforce this Bitcoin standard on anybody because that goes completely against uh, you know what Bitcoin is about, which is freedom maximalism, maximizing your freedom through through uh, technological tools. And I guess you know our mission is to create an environment that is increasingly hospitable. And the best way to do that is simply have more boots on the ground, more people. And that's exactly what we've been experiencing for the past one year. And it's it it is accelerating. I can already see it. Like more and more people messaging me, Andre, Rob. Uh, people who are already here, people who are making travel plans according to our meetups, people who are coming here to scout apartments. Like I've helped people uh, go and go and check out apartments that they found on online on, on their own. So that needs to be present for any kind of Bitcoin setup to happen. People wanting to go there from from their own free will, not like yeah, the, there's this uh, legal framework that we built. That is that is great for Bitcoin because, like you said, that can change. You know, the the politicians change with terms, and then what's going to happen? Who's going to be in power? And are we going to really rely on the framework that uh, that we build together with them? We can't rely on that. More like we we work as 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 their lens into this uh, parallel world, 
so they can see uh, how much more business it can bring, how much more prosperity and wealth it can bring to the island. And once that happens, once they truly see that, then it, it won't be uh, possible for, for politicians to overrule the will of the people. But that will take a long time. Like I'm prepared to fight, fight this fight for decades as long as I'm alive. Let me let me argue something there as well. Like that's also why I I agreed with the president to do this as a nonprofit and it's outside of government because I would never accept to do it as part of the government because I agree that this <clears throat> I I, I kind of disliked the way they did it in El Salvador. I respect it. It was amazing for the world and 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 the president there, President Bukalis, was really. You know, uh, how can I put it? Um, Balls. Yeah, <laughs> boldly. Um, what what I what I'm trying to say is, if we were dependent on uh, the president being, you know, welcome to to Bitcoin, or if we were dependent on uh, or or afraid that things might change next year. We would do. We would never do anything. That's not really my point of view, right? Or I can even argue that Madeira, uh, because being part of Portugal and being under the EU umbrella, it's actually one of the worst places in the world to to try something like this. At the same time, uh, I think if we can do it here, on a grounds up, you know, and this is a very long term project. This is not for tomorrow. What we're trying to build is a long term thing, and if we can make it work here uh we can make it work anywhere mm. and uh and that also gives me a lot of uh strength and uh, actually optimism for this project because i think a lot of people are are willing to help a project like this succeed not only in kenya but also in a jurisdiction in europe where they are actually belong to and want to help and you know Voting with your feet is is interesting, but at the same time, me as a Madeiran, and now I speak on my behalf that I love my island, I want to help Madeira. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to help this island succeed. I want to I wanna make it better for my kids. Um, uh, so it, it's maybe, it may be more difficult if, uh, you know, the government, whatever layer of government decides to attack us somehow or not be that welcome. Uh, but that's not going to stop us from trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree with everything that's been said. And and that's not at the, you know, I, I agree that what happened in El Salvador and Bukele's initiative, I mean, that took a lot of balls and he just, he's flipping the middle finger to a lot of different, you know, institutions and governments in the world. And I appreciate that from someone who has probably similar criticisms of all those places, but I do agree. I mean, like Bitcoin just Bitcoin can't be, you know, propagate or be adopted by dictate. That's the literal definition of fiat. Right. And so Bitcoin has to be adopted, adopted on an individual by individual basis when they deem it to be in their best interest, when they see the value in it and, and, you know, case in point, and there are other benefits that are occurring in El Salvador right now, like one, because of, let's say, that regulatory clarity and because of the assumption that things are going to be rather welcoming there, at least for the next, I don't know, six years or however many years Bukele has left, if you add on the, his second term, 
um, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners have gone there and tourism has gone way up and investment has gone way up. And, you know, so there's benefit. But as far as people using Bitcoin in the country, it's basically non-existent. You know, I've, I've been there uh, three times now. And I, I say this, I, you know, I, I really like what's happening in El Salvador. I, I was there in November around the Adopting Bitcoin conference. All, I didn't go to Zante this time. It was all spent in San Salvador. The people are, you know, and I've traveled all around the world as well. And, you know, in a lot of places you're seen as a gringo or a Laowai or a foreigner of some kind, whatever the local word for it is. And they're I, like, I didn't feel that at all. It doesn't matter if it's a pharmacy, a cafe, everyone was super welcoming. I mean, we even went and, and everyone, I went to China in 2009 and obviously it's on a different scale, but at that time in China, people had a real attitude like, wow, there's enormous opportunity in front of us that wasn't here, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago. Let's get after it. Let's focus on improving our lives. Let's not focus on all the bullshit things that divide us or the, you know, that don't improve our situation in life. Let's, let's, let's work. And I'm get, I get that vibe from El Salvador and people were super welcoming, super friendly. You know, my friend and I went down to the city center you know, where the main, some government houses and where a bunch of churches are, like one of the big squares. And both on our way there and our way, on the way back, the taxi drivers were telling us that even locals wouldn't go down there three years ago in 2018 with anything of value, a headset, camera, glasses, whatever. And now we walk through there and people are just yelling out, welcome to El Salvador. And there's trade happening. People are just relaxing, enjoying the the Christmas lights that they had put up. And so there's like a real sense of optimism and hope, which is, so all that is great. And, and the, the, if nothing else, the international press that they have gotten because of Bitcoin and Bitcoiners has definitely contributed to that as has, you know, Bukele's crusade against the, the gangs. And because nobody wants to do anything if you feel threatened. Right. So people would, you know, they wouldn't, interact they wouldn't trade you know you'd basically st try to stay safe and now that's now that that's been alleviated to a large degree people are, are 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 trying to get more out of life broadly speaking and so all that is great however even though there's chivo atms you know anywhere you, where you might want to go people just aren't interested in the bitcoin thing they don't hold against them you know they don't dislike him for it he's very popular but they're just like eh, not for me not right now that seems to be the attitude and so, you know, long-winded way of saying, and I think most Bitcoiners would agree with this, we don't get to the place we probably all want to get to by having each jurisdiction, each centralized government, each, you know, whatever, be, give it the stamp of approval. We get there by it being this, you know, mycelial network of people just operating in that parallel economy. And over time, so many of those different nodes bubbling up that it's unstoppable. It becomes a you know, a, a parallel economy that dramatically outcompetes the legacy one, let's say. And, it, you know, in that context and in the context of Madeira, you know, one of the things I talk to Bitcoiners a lot about is how understanding Bitcoin and interacting with Bitcoin has and continues to exert an influence on their perception of value, right? And like what their, perhaps what their prime motivations are in life and what they're striving to achieve, you know? And so perhaps earlier in life, they had more materialistic ambitions. And as they've gotten into Bitcoin, perhaps that's changed a bit. And they no longer, you know, the, their ambitions, the things they deem of the, the greatest value are no longer necessarily or exclusively material. 
But there's other things in there. There's other things like meaning and freedom and family and relationships and health and environment and things like that. And so perhaps it's the case also because, you know, we all want to hold on to as many sats as we can, and we only want to give them up if we're getting something we deem to be, you know, quite valuable in return. Perhaps it's just the case that, you know, the prime driver of, of adoption, the prime mo like instigator of these parallel economies is just going to be quality. Like where are the, the regions where quality is evident and, and, and yes. obvious, because those are the places that are probably going to attract people that are increasingly tuned to, to perceive and desire quality. And it, you know, again, I'm, we're all biased because we're so deep down the rabbit hole here, but it does seem to be the case that it's fairly consistent that, you know, maximalist people that are really into Bitcoin want, you know, and perhaps value more than the average person, you know, good, healthy food and beautiful environments, be they man-made or, or nature-made. <clears throat> and they want relationships with other like-minded individuals, AKA they want to hang around more, you know, as many Bitcoiners as possible. And so perhaps that's the thing that's more sticky than just, you know, a, a government who's pro Bitcoin. It's, these environments that are inspiring and beautiful and attracting of people that are, you know, kind of maybe having a kind of awakening to what quality and value really is. And that's the thing that's going to pull people together. And the economies that, that develop off the back of that will just naturally develop. Because if you're a Bitcoiner and you have most of your wealth in Bitcoin, well, you want to pay for your haircut in Bitcoin and you want to pay for your bananas in Bitcoin. And so, you know, that, that, so, Maybe that's the thing we should be looking at for where where these uh, citadels are going to develop. Let's say there's there's that, something. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just just one thing. To that first, I would like to hire you as a Madeira PR because you put it way better than I do with your words. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly what we're seeing and what we're trying to do in the end. All all of this that you encapsulated as value and uh, quality is exactly what we're seeing. Like people. First feeling that I had when I was started being, you know, contacted by a lot of people is, first of all, people want to be around like-minded people. First, first thing. I think we're scattered all over the globe, and people have always a need to to be in person and and you know relationships and, and all of that. And <clears throat> Madeira has does those advantages on quality that you're speaking about. Some of them are already here. And what I'm feeling is the community itself, the community itself that is arriving or that is already here, is already starting to do or to create that quality when it's non-existent. For example, uh, there are already people looking at doing um, uh, grass uh, grass feed beef here. Okay, direct to consumer uh, thing. Other people are looking to, into regenerative farming. Other people are studying and already doing business plan for alternative schooling for the kids and places where they can do homeschooling and unschooling projects and stuff like that. So this is creating a whole uh, a, a spectrum of things that uh, Bitcoin, you know better than I do that Bitcoin touches everything, right? And this mindset uh, is already, the mindset of the Bitcoin is already creating this whole spectrum of things that will improve on the already uh, good quality and, and, and life value that we have in, in, in Madara. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why I say building the community now, increasing the community and adding to it and 
embracing it or supporting it is the most important thing right now because we're still in the first steps of all of this and and that's what i'm what i meant when i said that most of the other stuff will almost grow organically from there like the mycelium that you were referring to mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's something more to say about the government adoption of Bitcoin. That's that's not something to take lightly, in my opinion, because what we are looking at in Bitcoin as technology is potentially the most comp comprehensive financial surveillance system, like a walled garden. So maybe we want to be a little bit careful of like I I, I see a lot of even Bitcoiners uh, championing this this government adoption of Bitcoin. That's not necessarily good. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. Like think about a, a gold standard, but in, instead of gold, uh, the governments hoard Bitcoin and make it illegal for for um, individuals to hold, or at at the very least control the the exchanges, the exchange of of Bitcoin. With, and also issue a paper Bitcoin or some kind of a fiat on top of top of this, uh, you know, fractional reserve Bitcoin. I just see that that's that's like an if if we pander too much, uh, the, us Bitcoiners to the governments and and champion their uh, Bitcoin adoption, maybe it will it will uh, backfire quite badly. So I, I would say I would take it back to the individual, like all the governments, all the countries rather, and governments too, are composed of uh, sovereign individuals that are their sovereignty level, of course, may vary. But regardless, every country is composed of individuals. So we need to reach those individuals at grassroots. And I believe, I would like to believe, even though the, the reality slaps me in the face all the time with that, I would like to be, believe that people want to be fundamentally free, like all animals. People don't want to be caged, although the reality doesn't seem to reflect that very accurately. But the problem, I guess, there is that people have been fed this uh, this lie, and I, myself included, for, for most of my life, that we are the, the, the privileged and the most lucky people and the most free people and freedom of speech and everything, as long as you follow the rules. And now that we see the rope tightening on, on the rules and our liberty is taken away little by little. And Bitcoin is such a powerful technology. You know, you, you hear people talking about it as a, as a weapon. I don't see it as a weapon of aggression necessarily, but it could be used as an oppression tool as well. But it's up to the people. People don't have to adopt government, fiat, Bitcoin, reserve currency, whatever. But if we don't get there first to the individuals and orange pill them and, and show them that there's actually now an alternative, that's exactly what I see happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I, I do think, I mean, again, it's so obvious really that Again, you can have a government and they can say Bitcoin is legal tender. And as is the case in El Salvador, most, pe most people can say, who cares? Like, we'll, we'll use U.S. dollars. And, and the, the technical and the historical and the monetary and the economic case you might, you know, pitch to them if you could get their attention doesn't really land. But if you if someone walks into a, you know, community, a town, what have you, like may or seems to be developing in Madeira or perhaps some place like El Zante or perhaps some places in, in Texas and the States or, you know, all these budding places around the world where people are simply thriving more because they're, they've adopted this technology, you know, and by thriving, I mean, they're happier, they're healthier, they have better relationships, perhaps, you know, they have 
greater financial security, all those things that every pretty much everyone is seeking in life. You know, those are the things that people wake up in the morning and they go pursue, but they, you know, it's almost like they, they're not going to make that connection theoretically. It has to be seen. And it seems to be the case that these places and these communities where, you know, quality of various kinds is drawing people together. Those are the greatest pitches for why people might go, oh, I want some of that. Not, you know, my government in all of its, you know, wisdom has decided to grant me the ability to adopt something or said that I can do this now. Um, of course, like government can get in the way and the, the, the more, the less it gets in the way, the better. I'm fully on board with that. So I'd rather not, I'd rather they not impose things on me that prohibit me from doing, you know, what I'd like to do. So it's, it's not that we're impervious to its, you know, machinations, but I do think that the more compelling pitch, the thing that's more persuasive is showcasing that when people get together and make these choices freely of themselves, what results from that is a, is a, is exactly what people are seeking in life. Just simply, you know, in a, in a way, imagine better than perhaps they were probably imagining in a way that was freer in a way that is safer in a way that is more secure, more wealthy, more abundant, all those things. And I think that is ultimately the thing that's going to orange pill the most people, you know, it's, a, it's, it's them observing the John? example. Can I interrupt you, John? Because I would like to add, you were, you were talking about showcasing. And, you know, much more important for me, at least my perspective, and why I'm very, very keen on uh, we are, I'm working in the background in, in some projects that I want to see developed, exactly because I want to showcase, uh, well, not only to other Bitcoiners in the community, but, but the, whole, the whole people of Madeira, not the money itself, not the currency itself, but how the network and the technologies that help the network, like mining, can be very helpful mm. for an island like ours. I think that will be a lot more important for people, you know, to give real life examples uh, of uh, a technology helping real people on the ground every day. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you an example. So, uh, as I said, we are very fortunate to have a, an amazing advisory board. And just today, um, this is being developed, but I, I, I can speak about it, no problem. So, one of the projects we want to develop is the waste, um, waste uh, management and biogas generation. Mm -hmm. So, and this is something that for an island like Madara, would it's a win-win-win for everyone. And I'll try to explain, I'm, I'm not technical, but I'll try to explain on a high level where what we want to do. So Madeira has a lot of bio-waste. And nowadays, <clears throat> we have sugarcane production, banana production, wine production, you know, chicken coops, meat, whatever, everything bio-waste uh, on the island, the, 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 the hundreds of tons of bio-waste that we have, that we produce annually in Madeira, 70% of it is burnt. And the other 30% goes on a landfill. So they don't use it for anything nowadays. And the 70% that are burned, they it's it's methane going to the to the air, right? Which is the worst polluter. And the other 30%, we live in an island where you know size is limited, so it goes to a landfill, which is also not good, right? And we can not only reduce all the waste, uh, save the environment, 
at the same time. So reduce the methane production of Madeira and, uh, and just release CO2, which is much better than the methane and save the, the littering or the, 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 the place where they store the, the landfill space that they use nowadays. And we can produce, we can connect to the grid. So be another provider of energy to the grid, locally produced. And when not needed, you'll have the, the, the miners being the consumers of last resort and monetizing the, the, the whole thing. And as a byproduct, you get fertilizer. Uh, because we import the fertilizer nowadays, you know, chemically, you know, industrial fertilizer, which is actually worse than this one that is produced on the on the on the waste management facilities. So it's 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 a kind of project that everybody wins. You you help the government, you help the people, you help the farmers, you help everyone, you help the the, the public grid. And this is not about Bitcoin, the asset at all. It's just using a part of the technology of the network to help real life projects. And that, that is a lot more important in my point of view um, to showcase, as you were using that, that word, showcase the, 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 the importance and how Bitcoin can be implemented in a win-win in a, in a situation for everyone without talking about the price, the asset, anything. Mm. Um, to showcase, you know, what the technology can do for an island like Madero. Totally. You know, and it never ceases to amaze me just how uh, the, the, the ins how well Bitcoin aligns incentives. I mean, and in this particular case, you're taking literal garbage, you know, not just so-called waste energy that's just, you know, sequestered in some way, but literal garbage and turning that into the highest form of optionality that we know of which is the best money i.e bitcoin um and you know to all the benefits that you just said you know so it ticks so many boxes uh and you know it's good for everyone and like you said you don't have to be a, a supporter of bitcoin you don't have to understand the economic or monetary case you can just say wow look at this technology allowing us to do all this good you know and of course that's going to pique a lot of people's interest and maybe they'll they'll you know try to learn more about it um I want to ask about, you know, so a lot of people, at least in my discussions, Madeira has come up, beautiful place, want to make a visit, potentially look at, you know, a home or a second home there. Uh, what's the property market there like? I've had some initial like, uh, or I did some initial searches online rather, and uh, it seems a little bit expensive, but, you know, that's that's just from looking online. So what are you, what are you guys' impressions of, of the property market there and what can you do with land you know so obviously a lot of bitcoiners are interested in having big pieces of land with lots of privacy potentially the ability to grow food raise cattle you know have a ranch sort of thing is that possible there and and you know what kind of prices are we looking at yeah so it is a lot more expensive than it used to be um just last year real estate i saw i saw in the news like two weeks ago in 2022, it increased an average of 28% the price yeah. of property in Madeira. So that's completely bollocks, but we all know the, the, the reason that that's happening. Uh, it's not only in Madeira, it happened everywhere, right? And there is a lag, you know, worldwide, the economy has a lag. We are used to that in Madeira, like whatever happens in the States, 
you know, as we saw with the real estate prices in, in, in the United States and Canada, they went through the roof and then they are collapsing. Now they are collapsing and we have a lag to Europe and again to Madeira. I think Madeira is always like we have um, whatever happens in the States happens a few months or years later in Madeira. I think it's, I don't know, the connectedness of, of, of today's world and the economy, the intrications of the economy. Um, so it, it has a lag and the chain takes a while to, to arrive to some other places of the world. Um, so it, it did increase a lot. It's a lot more expensive, um, especially in prime locations in Fuchal, because not only Madara is limited, but the main city where half the population lives, it's even more limited. So I would say that the you know downtown Fuchal and the prime areas around, especially closer to the ocean, and you know prime locations of Fuchal are very expensive. Uh, also, um, after COVID, with all the what's, normal what's, sorry to interrupt, sorry to interrupt, but what's just so everyone has a you know perspective, what what's very expensive? Like, let's put a number on it. Well, it it depends on what kind of. A high quality apartment or just a let's let's just call it a, a regular nice quality apartment downtown Fuchal, uh two bedroom uh should cost you at least 350k but that's for uh, 350 to 400k nowadays mm -hmm. but that's a very normal apartment that you know maybe three years ago you could get the same apartment for 200k right so it's a big, big difference. And whatever I'm saying that it's expensive, it's to localize eyes also, mm. because you have to realize that our prices are not the same, of course, than the, the you know main cities in the US and, and, and the big cities like even Lisbon and main cities of Portugal. Um, our salaries, our average salary in Portugal is way less than the average salary in uh, France or you know England and so on. So it's everything's proportionate, right? So it's very expensive for a local. And, and there was an added problem on top of this is for the last years, because the developers and the big contractors saw um, a lot of demand of higher net worth individuals from elsewhere that were coming to Madara and there was a lot of demand. Most of the real estate that was built now and is still being built, there are a lot of projects now going on in Madara on real estate are all um, more, uh, you know, on the high-end luxury kind of style, you know. So we we got these new buildings. It's crazy for a local. They they are charging between 500K to 800K for one bedroom in one of those new luxury condos. So, and because the contractors and developers are making so much money on this new you know, high, higher quality um, developments, there was not much being built on the more medium to affordable, you know, construction. So that, that also helped increase the prices a lot, the average price. Hey, uh, John, in, in my uh, layman view, Andre knows the market here really well. Uh, I was in Barcelona and I had a, a two, three bedroom, close to the sea I had a sea view um, and I also stayed in another one close by so I know the price range there from where I am right now my view is just absolutely stunning nicer than Barcelona Barcelona was double the price than wow. what I'm in now right so uh, 
you know, if you're if you're from Madeira, the price is uh, crazy. But you know, I I have people who are looking to relocate from London, and you you know, two bedroom apartment. Uh, you know, Rob, but that's the problem. You know, people from the outside come with a totally different perspective. I know. And when they come to this high-end, high you know, that we see as high-end luxury apartments, like they're charging 800K for a T2. Uh, and, you know, and people from the outside come to Madara and they're like, oh, my God, Madara is beautiful. Yeah. And uh, we can see the sea from here. You know, everybody sees the sea from Madara. It's not, sure, for sure. us, it's nothing special, right? <laughs> but, but for a foreigner, it gets enchanted by that apartment. And it's like half the price that you would get a T2 in London. So it's an instant buy for them. I'll be but, for a <laughs> but for a local, it's crazy expensive. Oh, but also, that's the problem for Madeira. Yeah, exactly. But um, so you, you get foreigners, wealthy foreigners that come here and just buy, uh, you know, property like I own T2 there, T3 there and whatever there for the same price so that they get a luxury high quality apartment in London. They get like four or five properties here. For the same price, so actually for them it's cheap, yeah. But for us it's but expensive. So what? Are, and what are the, the the like the ranching sort of idea opportunities there? Because if if half the population is in Funchal, then it sounds yeah. like there's a lot of empty land. So what's going on with all that? And that is exactly where I was going to. But it, I was talking about this, you know, very in high demand um, places in Funchal in the main city where it's um, you know, the best locations in the city. But as soon as you start moving a bit away from Funchal, things get, get very, very different. You know, just the other day, I was searching for a, um, a plot for a Bitcoiner that wants to, do, wants to be, uh, as you said, with his own land, doing his own thing, you know, having his own solar panels, just going yeah, away from everything. That's what pretty much everyone wants. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was searching for land and I found... So many things, like you know, one of the locations that I sent them was this 30K square meter, you know, 30,000 square meter plot in Santana that was selling for 120K. So this is pretty affordable. And, um, and there are a lot more places like this, of course. I heard there are restrictions there in terms of what you can do with the land like for some reason like raising cattle or something is far more restricted there than in other places is that accurate it depends on you you have to see the again madera as a very interesting geography mm -hmm. uh it's a lot you know very steep and mountains and valleys and and i think 60 something percent of the whole island is protected it's uh forests you cannot build like there are a lot of places that you cannot do anything basically um and there are some restrictions on on cattle but that's you know that's not local again not local laws they are eu directives that you have to comply you know and like the you only you need i don't know something stupid like uh 10 000 square meters per per cow you know and of course that is not Texas, so we don't have that kind of land, uh, so you can do a proper like big beef facility, for example, grass-fed thing. So, but that's also one of the things that I told you that we are looking uh, within the local powers to see if you can change something. 
to make it more appealing. And we can, for example, a 30K uh, plot in Santana in the North Shore can have more cattle heads than they can now nowadays, you know? Right. Um, all right. Well, we'll we'll close it out soon, but we should we did discuss a little bit more about um, the Free Madeira initiative itself. I know we've touched on it a little bit, but is there anything we haven't mentioned about it in terms of, you know, what your guys's ambitions are for it, or what the more immediate initiatives are? Like, just give me a little bit more of a rundown. Anyone on, uh, like, what 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 the next thing you you know the primary focus let, let's say right now is for the Free Madeira project. I so the next, I, I, next I'll break. let you guys speak. I promise. But <laughs> let me just go over. There's a, lot, <laughs> there's a lot of things that we are planning to do. Uh, maybe too many, so we have to prioritize. Actually, well, that's but, uh, yeah, that's what I mean. What's what's on the, me, first on the shopping uh, block? First on the shopping block. So, as I told you, the energy uh, projects are something that I want to see developed and and the fastest, the best. You know uh, the the waste management, the the study that we're doing with Troy and and some guys from Texas that are helping me on the study of the overall energy grid to um, introduce mining at the at the public energy company to increase the renewables and the, the energy production inside of Madara and reducing the imports of fuel. That's those are very big projects that I'm very focused on helping go, <laughs> let's, let's say. Um, another big project is the remittances project. So we want to help the, the Venezuela community to have a, a better way and educate them on how to use a network. Some of them already do, but we want to make it easier for them on how to use the network to for remittances from and to Venezuela. They still use a lot of the old fiat rails and black markets, and it's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, we, I'm starting, um, I'm already looking for a long time, but I finally found what I think is the best building where we are going to do the, the Bitcoin business hub. So we're going to, we, it's going to be the headquarters of Finmedera, but we will also have their offices and the co-working space for Bitcoin only companies that we are incorporating and bringing to the island. And some are going to be incorporated and started here. This goes on par with other projects, like we're going to do the meetups there and the podcast, and it's going to be a place like a, a, a place for the community overall. Um, we are planning a Bitcoin coding academy. We already highly, uh, we have a business plan very much developed. We're finishing it. And almost uh, ready to present it to investors that we, going, we want to incorporate in the building as well. Um, this is being run by a, a Bitcoiner from the Netherlands that has a, a huge experience in, in a coding academy that he used to have in the Netherlands. He ran the Netherlands for the last 20 years. Another thing is we want to start here, we are helping to start here the VC investment fund of Madara. Uh, we are going to incorporate a, 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 an investment fund for like, like Ego Debt and 1031, a similar thing for Bitcoin companies. More. Um, oh, I wanna, we want to have the, the Bitcoin ATMs as well, not only to help the remittances of the Venezuela guys, but have it as a service for, for everyone. And yeah, that's just 
some of the stuff that I want to prioritize right now. Nice. You know, as silly as it sounds, maybe not silly, but like, it's not one of those like big, you know, doesn't seem like one of those big plans, but Bitcoin ATMs can actually be fairly powerful. Not only as you mentioned for remittance remittances, but like if you're someone who has most of the wealth in Bitcoin and you'd prefer to transact in cash everywhere you go for privacy reasons and for parallel economy reasons and all that kind of stuff, they can be, you know, an incredibly useful tool for not having to interact with, you know, the fiat rails, let's say. Um, all right, guys, did you guys, did the other guys have anything to add on that? Yeah, I mean, ATMs, I think, can serve even a more important part. And this this is adjacent to what maybe I can bring the most value uh, for, for the for free Madeira on the island. And that's the creating the boots on the crowd, crowd team, which is basically just uh, me and Rob randomly uh, talking to people wherever we go. But I want to do it more organized, maybe have like a dedicated full day to knock some doors and, and uh, try to get the word out. And one of the things that I experienced most is that a lot of people are worried about cashing out, which is understandable. Small businesses, they, they have expenses. They're not in a position necessarily to hold all of it or, or maybe none of it. Mm. But they might be interested in, in getting this uh, extra extra revenue stream from possible Bitcoiners and being on the BTC map and, and all that. So ATM could be a, a really simple way to do that. I mean, of course, we can go there and and offer to help them and and set up a, a open node or whatever. But that's kind of like a, a lot of friction. So if you have an ATM, everybody kind of knows how that works. So if you have a way to cash out, I think that would be a good for merchant adoption. And further down the line, you know, of course, first we uh, we start by ourselves, but very soon, once once we get more people involved, I can start training these uh these boots on the ground so we have the ground team and then once we find some interest from merchants enough we can start with workshops so we can actually uh, invite those uh, merchants to learn more about this and then that's another team that we're going to have that are going to be educators and as an educator myself i think that's where i can contribute the most so i'm going to be educating the educators um, so creating this framework of onboarding merchants, knock on the doors, give some uh, flyers, teach them how to download a wallet. Once they get interested, they can call us or message us, book a time on the on a workshop, and then we will have like a all range of different different kinds of uh, uh, workshops and tutorials and, and presentations for wherever you are, like from from uh, the very small business or a very uh, small uh, sourcing company for like like vegetable vendors. You know, starting from a mo simple mobile app all the way into like running your own BTC pay server self-hosted, which I believe that is not like we're ne nowhere near there, but that's like, that's the range that we can develop. And that's, that's the road that I see uh, us on. And I, th I think uh, I'll, I'll be uh, focusing on that mostly because that's already something that I do out of my own, wherever I go, I do that anyway. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's just uh, once I have the time, I'll, I'll do it more organized. Nice. And I think Sorry, we'll help I, there. Sorry to interrupt. I, I, with the excitement of all these energy projects and the remittances and everything, <laughs> there are so many things that I forgot. One of the first ones, which is we are the, the education part, and not only on the merchants and, and uh, on educating uh, businesses to use it on their daily lives, but 
we are starting a, a, a more full-on education projects on, on uh, the origins of money and how some money is uh, important and going from there. We are working with the Looking Glass guys. Uh, we already translated their course to Portuguese and we are working on translating the the materials that they prepared on that course for the teachers to give in-person uh, classes. And we are planning some several workshops like BTC session style to help the whole community that is interested in, in you know, in different parts of the, the Bitcoin ecosystem. So education is, a, is, a, is a also a key part of all of this. Wow. So you guys got a lot a lot uh, to work on. All right, I'm going to do a couple, a few quick ones, and then I'll hand it off to each of you for kind of closing remarks, and then we'll shut it down. But uh, citizenship via investment program, I, I, we we spoke on that briefly when we had that call with uh, that that Jeff set up with everybody. What what's what's the give me the you know the basics of that? Is there one, and if so, like what's the investment and how does it work? There's the so there's the there are several programs where you can get the citizenship, either not very cheap, unfortunately, but that that's one of the things we have to comply with the national national rule. That's 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 a program for the whole of Portugal. Although for real estate, for example, it's uh, allowed in just certain parts of the country, like Madeira, it's allowed here. Um, where you can buy a 500k property and apply for the for the citizenship. Um, it's pretty straightforward, actually. If you buy a property over 500k and you get you can do the golden freezer process and you'll get immediate residency and five years later full citizenship for you and your family. And okay. you know, 500k seems very very expensive three years ago but now most of the properties here in very good locations uh, as i told you are you know over that um you can get it through investing for example as well so you can get it through in incorporating a company here for example and and making sure like i think you, you have to it's also 500k and you have to create a company locally and um, create five jobs at least. Uh, so that's another way you can do it. Uh, there's also investment funds. Like we are thinking about doing that, uh, where you can, it's, it's a regular investment fund where you also have to invest 500K, but the fund can invest in real estate or tech or Bitcoin investing, stuff like that. Uh, so it's basically through investment uh, in either kind of assets, and it's um, 500k at least. Um, will you get a knock on the door from the Gestapo if you try to homeschool your kids in Madeira, or what are the homeschooling laws there? Rob, you can go on this one. Yeah, yeah uh, my wife's been uh, looking into it. If you uh, if you come here and you are homeschooling. Um, this is something that we, we're also having a look at working on because there's just more and more people. Their rules, are, the laws are pretty antiquated and, and unsure. And, um, you know, you hear from one person one thing, one person the other. If you have a degree or, or the kid has a tutor, then uh, if that's if you're in the system. Um, then you would need one of the parents to be a, um, have a degree or, or be a tutor. Um, we we're looking to set up a 
land is called a place to be. It's going to be BE, but the B might have a little um, angle to it. Uh, it's a place to be for children to be, not not forced or coerced to be self-authority. And there'll be pods or yurts, places to rent out for a week or month, and all like have a big community where and a co-working space that hopefully we'll do that um, this year. We're also talking with Andre. We went to see this uh, big, uh, absolutely stunning uh, Bitcoin community building type thing, which is still a, uh, you know, when that's not certainty yet, but we could do um, a place for the kids to, like a self-directed learning environment for the kids there. And if we, um, but in terms of the, um, you know, most kids are, there's a, there's a group of unschooled kids here, pretty big. And there's, my wife's working with that and it's, it's daily. We're, we're doing meetups. We had a homeschooling meetup at Andre's co-working the other day, and there's just more and more people and they're desperate um, to, to have something organized. So we're talking with Andre. I don't want to say anything on here, but we're, um, you know, with the, looking to educate the government, the government just doesn't really realize that people want um yeah but let me let me say something it, it is allowed you can homeschool uh you just have to comply with certain rules as, as yeah. Rob was saying like one one of the parents needs to have a degree or what whoever is teaching the kids right needs to be a tutor or have a degree and then it's not all of the school years but in some years you do have to do the test Yes. of the system to see if you're up to standards right whatever that means indoctrinated exactly <laughs> uh but you do but you can do it it's not as uh, it's not like uh, germany or austria where yeah. they're forbidden at all at all uh, although that's again one of the things that we're studying within the local powers to see if you can even you know decrease the the you know the the rules the mandatory right. rules and and also if you come here and you're working and you you want your kids homeschooled but you work most people work all day then we would uh, we're looking to find a way to provide the tutors or you know the people on the ground so that you just imagine having a huge bunch of kids with uh, from different age groups but from parents who are all inter interested in freedom self-responsibility self-authority and the kids are just going to be that's a, a proper school and when the kids are allowed to mingle and be around adults is where they learn it's not by sticking them in age groups um you know sticking them in a classroom but i'm not going to get on about <laughs> and i see a lot of i see a lot of projects popping up uh, on the education part either homeschooling you know totally. there's a huge spectrum of how we, you can do education right closer to the system or full-on sovereign homeschooling mm -hmm. but there are a different uh, a different spectrum of projects popping over there are already some in place especially for younger children uh it's harder on the on the from fifth grade onwards and we do need a, a, a more alternative project for older kids but I see uh, projects popping over uh, everywhere, and this is not only on the Bitcoiner community. It's, it was also in demand on the on the expats that we have uh, increased a lot, especially after COVID. The nomad uh, guys and the remote workers that came uh, and are living in Madeira right now, 
and they are they were already thinking about these projects and now we are finally starting to see movement uh, or very strong movements in that area nice love to hear that um are there stupid laws like uh, we have in Canada where things like raw milk are illegal or can <laughs> can people work with a local farmer and get some milk for their family um there are stupid laws because again <laughs> we are in the Damn EU, it. right <laughs> yeah of course there are stupid laws that's one of the big problems of being in the EU there it's full of stupid laws um but i i don't think it's so hardcore like that one for example you can still you know i buy my vegetables directly from the farmer yeah you um, could go to I the buy, farm and get milk yeah i can buy i can buy the grocery store i can go to the jam to know you know a whim a woman that does jam in their kitchen whatever and i can buy bottles of it of course it's not properly legal but nobody goes after it you know like, sure sure uh, of course she, if, the, if the woman wanted to sell the jam on the supermarket she would have to go to the laboratory and put all that bullshit on top and you know and not use wooden spoons because suddenly they kill people like you know you, you know <laughs> <laughs> never killed for centuries but now they do because there's a corporation that needs to exist all that sort of stuff but we still do it you know a lot of moderns go and and have meat from the from the producer they have a friend who has a, a pig and they slaughter pig slaughtering is big in madara they do it on like christmas they they go they slaughter the pig everybody gets a part of the pork you know uh <laughs> Stuff like that is still very uh, a very modern way of life. That right. uh, even if the corporations do want to go, you know, the modern guy just goes like, you know, fuck yeah. you. Like, right. <laughs> good. Good. There's, so there's still you know sovereign tradition and attitudes that yeah that permeate Absolutely. the place. All right. Well, guys, um, this has been great. You know, learning about what's really going on there and getting the, getting more details on it all. Uh, let's go around and just get, you know, closing remarks. And if there's any, you know, last words or things you wanted to touch on before we shut it down, then you can do so. Uh, Nico, why don't you go first? Thanks, John. It was a great pleasure. And, and thanks, Andre and Rob, to, to do this with me. And uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. I'm happy to live on Madeira. And you shouldn't take our word for it. Just come and see for yourself. Like, that's what I recommend to people. Like, at worst, you're going to have a nice vacation. And even if you decide that you're not going to move here, that's completely cool. Like just come and have a, have a chat with us, have a coffee with us and uh, maybe hit one of those meetups and we're on meetup.com. You should check it out. Also, you should check out our telegram group. It's public uh, free Madeira and free Madeira.com obviously. And uh, free Madeira org is the Twitter, I believe. Um, and of course my PMs are always open. So if you want to talk to me um, directly, it's Omnifin both in Telegram and also in, in Twitter. And if you want to learn more about my company, which is Consensus Network, translating books, consensus.network or uh, on Twitter, Consensus N. And of course, Orange Pill app, I have to mention that because I've been getting so much engagement from there. So if you haven't checked out Orange Pill app yet, that's a great way to, when you come to the island, you whip out the, the Orangeville app and you will instantly see people who are on the island. Right now, it's mostly me and Rob, but if, whenever there's a meetup and when, whenever there's people coming in, there's a couple extra extra people there. So it's also increasing and that's definitely an easy way to get in touch with us as well. That's all for me. Thank you, everybody. Nice. Rob? 
Yeah, please come to the island so I don't have to keep messaging Nico on Orange Pull Up. Uh, I just, <laughs> uh, been, uh, they, they've got world-class surf here that, that hasn't been mentioned, got big wave riders, world-class guys down along the coast. Um, they've got world-class hikes, stunning. Um, but in, in terms of, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me on your show. I've learned a lot as well. I was excited about meeting you, so thank you very much. And um, if, if, like uh, Nico said, I'm here, I've got my feet, this is where I'm bringing up my kids. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Um, we want to make Bitcoin work wherever it is. Um, and if you're a Bitcoiner and my uh, DMs are open, uh, I always meet everyone for coffee. So selfishly, I love meeting Bitcoiners because it's all so interesting. So reach out and uh, just a big thank you to Nico and Andre who, who um, are, are kind of two of the main drivers for the project. Yeah, meeting meeting and hanging out with Bitcoiners is uh, is always the best. Andre, close us out. Uh, I just wanted to say that this, this is not true. It's not only Rob and Nico here. It makes it seem like it's only them dancing on the streets. <laughs> There's a lot of Bitcoiners all around now, finally, fortunately, and a lot more coming. So, yeah, do reach out. Do visit the island. Even don't trust Verify, just come for us. As Nico said, the worst thing you can get is a, is a nice vacation. And um, come and visit us because it's, it's a wonderful island. And um, we, we can get you a Muay Thai trainer here as well, John. So that's not a problem. I was going to ask uh, what the martial arts scene was like. There. Yeah, yeah, it's actually quite big. There's a lot of people doing Muay Thai and other stuff. And we, we do even work. have... Um, Sorry. What? My wife and I do uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in town. Oh. Uh, Brazilian awesome. black, black belt there, so... Great. Yeah, but I have, I have a friend from school, and actually the the cousin of my wife. These uh, he won some like world Muay Thai thing in Thailand last year. They are quite big uh, fighters here. Uh, so you'll have your got it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, just come and visit. Follow Primadata or get on Twitter and me and Raloja on Twitter as well. My DMs are open, and uh, we welcome everyone to come awesome. and check it out. Well, guys, thanks so much again for the time and and sharing your experiences and and your plans with the with the project. Um, I will have to come and visit sometime. I'm a notorious homebody, but uh, it sounds absolutely amazing, and you know it'd be great to come and hang out with you guys. So maybe uh, in this upcoming year, I'll make a trick a trip. But either way, good luck on everything, and and maybe we do another one in in six months or so, and just get an update on on how things are going and bring more attention to it all. Cool. Thank you, John. Thank you, awesome. John. Take care, Thank guys. You. See ya. Take care. Bye.